It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, the last podcast we'll record before the Bengals play their first regular season game under Zach Taylor in Seattle. And things on the offensive line injury front are looking a bit dire, as Seattle seems to be fairly healthy heading into the game, and Cincinnati will be without its starting left tackle. We'll get into that and more in the lead story We'll also get into, in segments two and three, a preview of what we expect and hope to see from the offense, what we expect and hope to see from the defense in segment three. Before we get to all of that, a quick note that all of this week is brought to you by Mack Weldon, a premium men's essentials brand dedicated to better materials and being better than what you're wearing right now. We'll get you a discount for those premium essentials at MacWeldon.com later in the show. Now your Locked On Bengals lead story, I'm Jake Lisko, along with Joe Goodberry. Andre Smith gets a start at left tackle after Cordy Glenn can't get out of the concussion protocol in time to practice or play in Seattle. And that's the Bengals' third option. He was signed just before training camp. Now with Jonah Williams out, Cordy Glenn missing time for his concussion. It'll be Jadavion Clowney and Ziggy Ansah against Andre Smith and Bobby Hart. Despite being drafted in 2009, Andre Smith has only played 142 snaps at left tackle in his career. This is in comparison to 6,100 snaps at right tackle. 89 for the Bengals in 2017 and 23 at left tackle in 2018. Needless to say, he is quite inexperienced at left tackle, but the Bengals are out of options. And they'll be going against a stiff test in Seattle with that newly acquired defensive line featuring... Ziggy Ansah, who looked to perhaps be questionable this week, but he's still listed as questionable, but he's expected to play. He was limited in practice all week. So was Jadavion Clowney, and I guess there is at least some hope for Bengals fans that he's not ready to play a full slate of snaps in his first game in Seattle. He didn't participate in any of the preseason activities in Houston before he was traded, but regardless, in that stadium with that crowd noise, with Ziggy Ansah and Jadavion Clowney staring down the weakest part of this Bengals offensive line being the tackles. Even if Cordy Glum is healthy, this wouldn't be a good matchup, and without him, it's scary. There may be some relief as Seahawks' first-round pick L.J. Collier, also a defensive end, is out with an ankle injury. Also out for the Bengals, it appears that Auden Tate, listed as doubtful, will not play. Travion Williams, running back, is out 
Zach Taylor said maybe another week or two for him. And, of course, A.J. Green is out for a few more weeks. We have no update as of yet on the A.J. Green timetable, which means we're probably looking again at week four, which was speculated when the injury was first announced by some of the beat reporters. Auden Tate was actually a full participant in Thursday's practice before he was limited in Friday's walkthrough. The Bengals will head to Seattle on Saturday, a departure from the Marvin Lewis tradition of leaving on Friday night for West Coast trips. But on the bright side, Andy Dalton hasn't lost on the West Coast. The two newest Bengals claimed on the waiver wire, Farrell Cooper at wide receiver, is expected to play with two wide receivers potentially down for the Bengals. Also, running back Samaj P. Ryan should replace Travion Williams as the third running back. I think it's the unknowns that Bengals fans will be watching for when this matchup takes place on Sunday because a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, the complete turnover, and the Bengals have been pretty coy about what they plan on doing with a very vanilla look, not only in preseason, but I feel like in camp also. I think there's some surprises, the way the players are responding and, and describing this offense, and defense. I expect the Bengals to show something maybe we haven't seen before as they keep teasing the potential 3-4 look in order to play with less linebackers on the field and get edge defender Carl Lawson in the game more often. If you remember the last two years under Marvin Lewis, the Bengals couldn't find a way to get Lawson on the field enough as the offenses would dictate to the defense what personnel grouping they were in. I suspect the Bengals have something up their sleeve in order to get their best players on the field more often. And that element of surprise is something that Zach Taylor emphasized when I talked to him in Cincinnati a few weeks ago. He said that we've seen everything the offense and defense are going to do in the preseason and that the whole book is going to be available. He was obviously being sarcastic. And while we were there, the Bengals director of communications told me that the Bengals really see this as their biggest strategic advantage heading into Seattle. Seattle has played the Rams. They obviously know what the Rams do. They have the tape there. But they don't know what they're going to get from Luana Rumo's defense, and they don't know what wrinkles they're going to get from the permutation of Zach Taylor's offense with the pieces that they're going to hold over from Andy Dalton's tenure. And this is something that Zach Taylor talked about, too. They did keep some pieces of plays that Andy Dalton really enjoyed. And Pete Carroll of the Seahawks also said the same thing this week during press conference, that it is hard to make adjustments or a game plan for the Bengals' offense and defense because they're not quite sure what it is. Those adjustments will have to come in-game. The Bengals kick off at 4 Eastern time on Sunday. This has been your Cincinnati Bengals lead story from Jake Lisko and Joe Goodberry of Locked On Bengals. We'll be back in just a minute to take a deeper dive into what to expect and what to look for when Cincinnati has the ball against Seattle's defense. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today to play so you win 
and get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Bengals Podcast, and this week, the Bengals play football. If that doesn't get you excited, only Blue Chew will. I don't even know if they're a sponsor this week, Jake, but I'm going to keep going. Anyways, um, so yes, we are going to do what we think the Bengals are going to look like on offense in this segment. Next segment will be defense and what we're looking for, what we hope to look for, yada, yada, that typical thing. I think that's going to be pretty much our format for these Friday shows, sometimes Thursday, but these Friday shows going into the game. So you could listen to it hopefully Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You won't feel left behind if you've got to catch up on Sunday morning before the Bengals play. This is just the preview for the Bengals-Seahawks game week one. Season's finally kicking off. I think first thing I'm looking for is how Andy Dalton plays in this new Zach Taylor offense. Now, what is this offense? I think we can go and really dissect every single part of this offensive side of the ball. I mean, maybe we should, but just not knowing exactly what they're going to do. I mean, even like Pete Carroll said, he's got an idea, but they're still not 100% sure. And the way he was describing is exactly how I feel. I, I think I know what they're going to run. Even watching uh, Thursday night's game, the Packers and the the Bears, their coach, Matt LaFleur, I think his name is Matt LaFleur, he was a former Rams quarterback coach also, and you could see that he had some Rams elements in his offense, but it wasn't completely that. Had some of Titans last year where he was an offensive coordinator. But the Packers did run one obvious Rams play, in my opinion. It's one of the ones I broke down in my article for The Athletic on, on the play-action section. It was uh, a fake reverse, basically. So that's their jet sweep, as we expect to see. It was a fake reverse for the receiver coming around the backside. And it was that deep shot that was caught by, was that Devontae Adams? I believe it was. Uh, but you got a post and you got a crossing route. The only difference they did is they didn't have a crossing route from the receiver from the right side. It was more the slot or as a tight end. I can't remember um, from the left side where the same side, the post was he bent it in and then ran the crosser to the left, which is the same concept. It's getting you to the same spot at the same time. So I expect we're going to see that pretty early for, from the Bengals. I, I think we might get a deep shot to John Ross, just the way he's talking this past week, right? How he seems like there's a little glimmer in his eyes, a little bit excited. Like he's got a deep ball coming to him. We just hope Andy Dalton hits it. And, uh, Maybe the Bengals can steal a point or so or or a chunk play there just because of it. But I I am looking for that first and foremost. The Rams style offense, if it is, how much does it look like it? How much can they replicate it? And how does that impact Andy Dalton's performance? Because I think it, it shouldn't change so much of who he is, but it could get him some, a lot of easy throws. And if that's the case, this receiving core that's pretty banged up could still be pretty effective. If they can dictate where the ball is going to go and keep the Seattle defense on its heels, we expect Andy Dalton to be better. Yeah. If instead Seattle is making Andy Dalton figure out where the ball is going to go, then things can get a little bit dicey and he could get a little bit indecisive, especially in the environment that Safeco Field presents. That noise is going to be an issue. I think 
I would be very encouraged if the Bengals only have one false start this week with the crew of offensive linemen they're running out there. I think false starts are going to kill a couple drives, and that's going to be a problem. You never really think about penalties, right? You never really predict. We're going to have false starts kill a couple drives, and that's going to be the difference in the game. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but in a very loud environment with Andre Smith and Bobby Hart out there against some very fast, strong defensive ends, it would not surprise me in the slightest. I hope it's not the case. Well, those false starts definitely killed the old Bengals offense, right? I mean, any type of penalty, that was it. You felt like, oh man, it's third and nine to third and 15. That's it. They're not converting unless it was a big play and that rarely happened. And you, you really felt very different about it. Now, if they can change that up, if this offense is successful, if, if it is schemed the way we expect it to be, maybe that is not a, a death sentence on that drive to have one false start, a five yard penalty. A holding or a sack may still be, but a false start shouldn't be. It's five yards, but. Um, yeah, that's something to, to see because, yeah, three, four, five false starts could probably easily happen. I mean, they dealt with it this preseason. It was an issue. Jim Turner talked about it in an athletic article that I think posted on Friday, so depending on when you're listening to this. And you can go look for how he's trying to get the offensive line more focused and blaring music and all that stuff during during practices and trying to make sure they've got communication in other ways. So check that out. But uh, yeah, that'll be a big component. Not not just that's be, that's before the play, right? And then then we gotta actually block these guys. Andre Smith and Bobby Hart out there. How's Michael Jordan gonna play in his first game? Mm-hmm. He's a rookie. He's a fourth round pick. How's Damian Willis, an undrafted wide receiver, gonna play in this environment? He's never played in an environment like that out of Troy. So uh, it's some tests and some hurdles for some unknown guys on this roster. So let's talk about some of the important matchups that the Bengals have to win if they want to win this game in Seattle. And I think one place that they actually might have an advantage, and this isn't as strong as an advantage as it could be if AJ Green was healthy, but the Seattle secondary, especially without Earl Thomas out there, isn't among the secondaries that I would say is the best in the league. So you have a chance, like you said, to get John Ross open deep, to get Tyler Boyd dominating in the slot. It gets a little bit murky because, well, Bobby Wagner, the best linebacker in football, is in the middle of the field, and so is K.J. Wright, who's no slouch himself. So the strengths for the Seattle, I think, are up the middle in their front six or front seven or whatever you want to call it. Clowney, Anso, Wagner, Wright. And then outside, the Bengals might have some advantages, but maybe that doesn't play to Dalton's strengths. I know someone's been saying, or a lot of people have been saying on Twitter today, uh, do you think the Bengals go too tight end a lot more in order to help out the tackles? And I think, yeah, sure. But from what they've shown, Tyler Boyd isn't out there when they go out there in two wide receivers. So you want Tyler Boyd out there. In fact, when you look at it, I want as many Seattle defensive backs on the field as possible. Take off a linebacker. Take off K.J. Wright if you can or Michael Kendricks if you can and have them insert – Akeem King or Marquise Blair was a second round rookie. I mean, let me read you the names. You may know who Shaquille Griffith Griffin is. He's their best defensive back. Uh, and then it's Brad McDougald, Tedrick Thompson, Trey Flowers, and not that Trey Flowers that was that played for the Patriots and now with the Lions. It's not it's nothing to be really scared of. Even though the Bengals are really hurting at receiver, this shouldn't be an issue where they feel outmatched. If anything, this is where they have a strength even with Damian Williams out there, even with maybe Farrell Cooper has to play, maybe Alex Erickson has to play. But this is your opportunity, especially for a guy like John Ross and then getting in the slot for Tyler Boyd. And that's why I think 
they will want to go out there, three wide receivers, spread out the Seahawks a little bit. Uh, and maybe the back chips on the left side and the tight end chips on the right side. And that's how you help it out. But I do believe the Bengals are going to be out there in three wide receivers and probably put um, Dalton and shotgun a little bit. But I think the play action and the running game is what's going to help this offensive line stick to it. Pound the rock a little bit, even if it's not successful all the time. And you should slow down the rush just a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if they can get the running game going at all. Bengals fans around Twitter have said they only have one running play all preseason. And that's why the running game didn't work. Obviously, Joe Mixon wasn't out there. But without Cordy Glenn, with Mike Jordan starting, with Trey Hopkins starting, we really don't know what we're going to get from this offensive line in the running game. And we don't know what how that's going to interact with Joe Mixon, who hardly played in the preseason. He had three snaps, and one of them was called back for a penalty. If you look at Brandon Thorne on Twitter, he's a great offensive lineman and analyst. Uh, we had him on the show, uh, Jake, during draft season. And he did rankings for every position that he watches. And that's usually the offensive line, defensive uh, line. And he ranked pretty much every all five starters for the Bengals offensive line as like a bottom two tier out of like five or six tiers. So bad, as in bad, bad. Even Trey Hopkins, who we like because he beat up uh, Billy Price, wasn't great last year. Um, even when Cordy Glenn was out there, he's a bottom third tier guy. And Andre Smith is definitely a bottom tier. Bobby Hart's in a tier on his own. It's scary when you look at it and you think these guys are going to be isolated. Now, I do think the Bengals are going to do a lot to help them. That's the other part of the scheme that I think a lot of people don't talk about. We talk about how it's going to help Joe Mixon. We talk about how it's going to help Andy Dalton, how it's going to get these receivers open. It's going to help these off, the offensive linemen. At least I think so. At least it did when I watched the Rams. Everyone says Rams had a really good offensive line. They did. But they also helped them out a bunch so they weren't pass protecting one-on-one and seven-step drops all day. Uh, instead, we're going to get it mixed up a little bit. The play action is going to help. They're going to move the pocket. They're going to roll Andy Dalton out. I think we saw a lot of things, even in the Thursday night game. I know two different teams, right? But the Bears and the Packers showing a lot of misdirection, bootlegging their quarterbacks out to get away from the pass rush on both sides that were really dominating that game. Uh, and you saw the effect, I think, of, on both quarterbacks and how they played. It was It's funny because a lot of people were bringing up Andy Dalton while watching Mitch Trubisky. Like, was, was that what we had in year three with Dalton, like the Bears have with Trubisky? Is that a similar thing? And how Trubisky on third downs when he got pressured or didn't or had to go to a second read or third read he looked like a much different guy um i don't know if i go to that comparison but i think that goes to your first point jake of how will the bengals offense operate if they can dictate if dalton knows where he's going if they can control the the tempo and the timing tempo is another thing we should probably talk about but if they can control the offensive side of the ball while they have it rather than letting the defense dictate to dalton which we've seen in plenty of games when he struggles he's like okay it's third and ten i'm going to check it down because nobody's open right he's not going to force that ball down the middle of the field because uh you know it's not there i'm going to check it down and see if my guy can get anything that's i think we saw a lot of that from mitch trubisky last night well, there's that, and Andy Dalton just started practicing the scramble drill last year. So I know, that's crazy. If that's something that they continue to work on, and it sounded like it is when we talked to him, you can hopefully expect that to be part of the offense with Zach Taylor, too. And it sounds like the receivers are on that page, too. We saw Damian Willis do it a few times in the preseason. We've seen Tyler Boyd do it. We saw him do it last season. I'm really interested to just get a feel for what the identity on offense is going to be. We really have no idea. We have not seen enough to really know what 
to expect from this team on either side of the ball and on the offense how are they going to use John Ross what's the running game going to look like what's the tight end rotation going to look like what kind of personnel groupings are they going to use how much are they going to be able to dictate to the defense what they're going to do as you mentioned how quickly are they going to get up there how early in the play clock are they going to snap plays is it going to be what Aaron Rodgers did last night and every play was getting snapped with one second on the play clock letting that defensive line tee off on an offensive line that needs all the help it can get? Or are they going to be snapping earlier in the play clock, which is something that I think there's an emphasis on, but we haven't seen yet. Another point from Thursday night's game that I thought of was watching Tariq Cohen, the running back for the Bears. He was basically a slot wide receiver for them. They used all three of their backs, and I wouldn't say used them well because they didn't run the ball at all, but at least Cohen's role, he was in the backfield. He was in the, as a slot receiver. He caught, I want to say eight balls out of the slot thinking of Giovanni Bernard and how are they going to use him more? They're hurting at receiver. They just paid Gio. You'd like to get Gio and mixing out on the field. I'd like to see both of those guys out there and maybe, maybe a surprise or something up their sleeve for Bernard. But who comes off the field if you play Geo in the slot? Because I don't want to take Tyler Boyd off the field if we're going to have somebody lined up in the slot. And are they going to put him outside? He did play outside a little bit for the Bengals last year, but in this preseason, we didn't see him outside at all. Maybe that's a card they're holding up their sleeve. And we did see Geo line up wide in preseason and in camp also. So maybe that's how you do it instead. And that gets Boyd in the slot. So you're out there with two wide receivers, right? And uh, one tight end, two backs. Bernard flexes out wide that puts Boyd in the slot and it it really declares what the defense is doing right so the way the Bengals win this game when they have the ball on offense is they get the ball out quickly which means they're dictating where the ball is going to go by creating mismatches and putting the Seattle defense on its heels I think that's a tall task but Andy Dalton is and we've said this many times very good pre-snap so if he can get the offense into the right plays and find the right matchups That's the way they're going to win on offense, by removing the offensive line of the trenches from the equation. I mean, part of that's also the running game. We have not talked a lot about that because we haven't seen anything about what this design is going to look like. We'll get a much better idea, I think, of what that running game is going to look like in this game if they can get it off the ground at all. And with that, I think we covered the offense. Let's head over to the defense in just a minute. We hope the Bengals get out of Safeco Field safely. We hope you get home from work every day safely, and Abco Safety can help you with that. They're a safety distributor located in the Cincinnati area, and they're partnering with 3M to sponsor the Lockdown Bengals podcast. If you or your company purchase safety equipment, give them a call because they promise to save you money on your safety budget. Check out their website on www.abcosafety.com because that's what we're doing right now. Joe, what's caught your eye today? Well, I was looking at different spray paints because I'm always going through them with my art projects. But they have some heavy-duty degreaser, which works really good on your hands and other projects. You can give Abco Safety a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Bengals to find out how much money they'll save you. Keep in mind when you're looking at the website that those are retail prices and they will establish corporate rates for you or your company. It's time to celebrate. Football is finally back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. You draft just six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. 
Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code LOCKEDON will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching a game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Get in on the season opener action. Download the DraftKings app now and use code LOCKEDON. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. And new users don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter my code LOCKEDON to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, Jake, I know we're supposed to go to the defensive side here, but I just thought of something as we were switching to this uh, segment. And I want, if I can get 60 seconds right here, just to rant really fast. And that's the Patriots releasing Russell Bodine and how long the Bengals kept him. Four years unchecked as the starter, named him the starter, his first snap is in rookie camp, basically, after trading up for him and taking him in the fourth round, never challenged him. They had Trey Hopkins on the roster for most of those four years, and never using Hopkins means they had to spend a first-round pick on Billy Price, who took left guard snaps today uh, as a backup, but they had Hopkins on the team, so Bengals go four years of playing him, killed their best roster and their best chance at how many good teams of those of that four-year stretch and then buffalo gets them in 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 the offseason barely pays them anything quickly benches them goes out and signs the biggest center in the in, in free agent market signs another center to back him up trades him for a fifth round pick at camp and the patriots take one week and say nope he's out of here he's not going to cut it what is this the, the the greatest? We use the Patriots all the time. People say, don't use the Patriots. You, no one can be like them. But look at the extreme examples of one team holding on to that same player for four years, and they offered him a contract. Remember, they wanted to extend him. He turned them down. And the Patriots, on the other hand, who gave up a fifth-round pick. You think if the Bengals gave up a fifth-round pick for a player, he'd be on the roster a week later. Patriots got him out of here. So I'm just that was on my mind, and I wanted to get a chance to talk about it, and we didn't get a chance yet. And that is something that the Bengals can do and any team can do to emulate the Patriots. And they've done it to some extent this year. And that's cutting bait on guys, regardless of the investment. Because you're sure, despite the investment, if it's a third round pick for Malik Jefferson, that that guy doesn't fit you. The Patriots do it. We just saw them do it with Russell Bodine a few days after trading a pick for him. The Bengals did it this year, and I hope they keep doing it because it does hurt sometimes when you let those high-ceiling guys go. We might not agree every time. Like, we don't agree, for example, with the Josh Malone versus Farrell Cooper decision. But they're making choices to move on despite investment, and I do like to see that. So without further ado, let's talk about the defense here a little bit, Joe. The matchups the Bengals have to win on defense or in the trenches. And then with DK Metcalf making a miraculous recovery from his knee scope, calling himself Wolverine today, I guess you have to worry a little bit about those receivers too and their version of Drew Sample and Will Disley. Yeah, I guess. I think the tight ends are definitely blockers. Talking with the uh, on the crossover podcast with the Lockdown Seahawks guy, uh, Corbin, this week, you know, it really opened my eyes to the the – really lack of tight end receiving weapons they have. It's just Nick Vanette and Will Disley only on the roster. Both guys are block, uh, blocking tight ends. I don't think we're going to see them really get out there and hurt the Bengals for the first time in a No, actually, I take this all back. 
they're going to kill the Bengals linebackers and they're going to rack up 200 yards and two touchdowns. No doubt in my mind. But let's stay positive. The Seahawks have been trying to get the ball to their running backs a little bit more. And all three of them can catch. Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are okay at it. I mean, at least passable. But C.J. Proceis, remember, he was like a former receiver at Notre Dame. They can move him around, do a lot of weird things with him. So I think if they do get uh, Tyler Lockett the ball, he's really the guy you got to watch out for as the receivers. He's, he's a weapon. I think he had a perfect passer rating when targeted last year from Russell Wilson. I believe that's right. Anyways, uh, yeah, DK Metcalf. Gary Jennings is my guy, but apparently he's a surprise he made the the team as a rookie. I I guess um, Malik Turner is listed. I'm looking at the depth chart right now. Malik Turner, college free agent from 2018, is listed as the other starter. Okay. I mean, I guess that's that's like a Seahawks fan looking at at the Bengals depth chart and saying, Damian Willis, all right. They probably feel excited about him, but that's not scary at all for us. I am scared of Tyler Lockett. And I'll always oh, yeah. be scared of Tyler Lockett. You're asking B.W. Webb to run with Tyler Lockett. I mean, the only player in the league that maybe I feel good about covering Tyler Lockett is prime Leon Hall. Because I feel like prime Leon Hall was one of the better slot corners in NFL history. But not... But speed-wise, yeah, you wouldn't but, be able to keep up with him. Yeah, but he would figure it out. Because Leon Hall figured it out. He covered fast guys in the slot. Prime Leon Hall. Prime Leon Hall. Come back. The other matchup the Bengals need to win to make this one interesting is in the defensive line. Geno Atkins has to wreak havoc on the inside. Carl Lawson has to get some chances to put some pressure on Russell Wilson, who can at times hold the ball a little bit too long, but is also really evasive as a runner. So that might give Carl Lawson a few issues as he can sometimes be a little bit stiff in small spaces. But you feel good about some of the matchups. You feel a little bit less good if Dwayne Brown's playing and he's 100%, but he was limited in practice. Mikey Upati is questionable. He'll probably play, but that means he's at least a little dinged up. The Seattle offensive line is better than it has been in the last few years, but the Bengals defensive line has to make some waves in this one if they're going to slow down the Seattle run offense. And are we expecting to see a six tackle from Seattle 25% of the time? Because if we are, then maybe we can talk about this nebulous concept of the 5-2 or the Bengals version of the 3-4 that we might see a little bit of in Seattle this week. Yeah, I do think we'll see heavy personnel from the Seahawks. I think they're fully aware that the Bengals only have four linebackers active. That means they're going to be playing a lot of special teams also. Preston Brown talked about this. These guys may wear down a little bit. So if the Seahawks can, Seahawks can get 60, 70 plays off and control the clock, I think they could really do some damage against those linebackers. Now, if when you look at it, though, uh, the one guy they signed before week one, Nick Ballore, the fullback. And how many teams actually carry a fullback anymore? And they said, okay, we need this guy for this game. And I don't think it's any surprise that they want to pound it and pound it up the middle if possible. The two areas of weakness, because the Seahawks really did revamp their old line. Whether it's Mike uh, Ayupati or Ethan Posick at left guard, he and Justin Britt, that left guard spot, and Justin Britt at center is really nothing to be worried about in terms of uh, their offensive line. I think... That's where Atkins is going to have his his uh, his game or where he's going to make his money. I hope that Glasgow and Billings can can help there too. If Sam Hubbard gets some inside snaps, Kerry Wynn, whoever it may be. But I do I do like the matchup between Jermaine Effetti and uh, Carlos Dunlap because I think Dunlap can beat up on the average to below average tackles. Those are usually when he has his game, so hopefully he can here. And even if they're running it, Dunlap's pretty good against the run anyway, so he's going to be effective. I, I think really the 
going against their offense, Bengals defense going against their offense, really is the area of concern for me is can they score enough or have enough plays on the offensive side of the ball, I'm talking about the Bengals, in order to not let that linebacker unit or this defense get worn out there because they're going to be playing a lot of snaps if not. And I question if they can defend the middle of the field. I know Will Disley is not somebody that you're really scared of the way you might be scared of a healthy Tyler Eifert or Rob Gronkowski, but no-name tight ends chew up the Bengals' middle of the field and have for the last 10 years, it feels like. And so we'll see if Lou Anarumo has done anything about that. In the preseason, it was single high all day long. And Sean Williams over the tight end of running back in the slot and Sean Williams occasionally losing those matchups. Will we see the same thing or will we see something a little bit different? I am a little bit excited about the Bengals' opportunity here to prove that they can be a good run defense, though, especially if they go out there with three interior linemen against six offensive linemen. If you get Atkins, Glasgow, and Billings, that's pretty good run defense when it's flanked by, say, Sam Hubbard and Carlos Dunlap. You want to get Carl Lawson on the field for sure, and with that front four, I think adding Carl Lawson is fine. I think Carl Lawson is probably fine as a run defender, But that front five guys, if that's how they answer it, and the Bears did this last night, I think. They came out in a bear front. If the Bengals come out the same way, I think they have a chance at slowing down the Seattle run game, and I think they're going to want to run the ball to win. Packers did it a little bit too because they only have one linebacker basically on the team. I I noticed this. They're out there one linebacker and a safety for most of the game, and I said something, and some uh, Packers writer said, yeah, they really only have one linebacker on the roster. The other guys are a bunch of sixth, seventh-round, and undrafted guys that they do not trust. So it kind of made me feel better about the Bengals keeping four because, to be honest, if the fourth guy, Jermaine Pratt, gets out there, I'm not too mad about it because I want to see him play anyways. But point being is I do think the Bengals – have to adjust because of this and the way the, the Packers did, the way the Bears did. And if you watch that, I, I, I noted that last night, or I, I tweeted out, if you watch the Bears, they're a 3-4 team, but there's five men on the line of scrimmage at all times. So you got your three defensive linemen and Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd are on the line. And if you look and say, well, that means one of these guys are going to have to drop into coverage once in a while. And I, I think yes, but the, the Bengals did it with Sam Hubbard. They, they've done it a little, very few times with Carl Lawson in the past. But Hubbard did it a couple times last year, moving around, blitzing from different spots. They used to do it a lot with Michael Johnson and Carlos Dunlap. So it's not a foreign concept. If you look back at uh, Floyd and Mack, I think Floyd did it 180 times last year. Mack did it about 70 times. So really it's about five to 10 times per game, depending on the game flow. So it, it's nothing extreme. So it's nothing I'm too worried about. In fact, we're probably spending more time talking about it than we should until we're sure the Bengals are going to do something like this. But I just think it makes too much sense to not do it. The way they've constructed the roster, I agree with you. Joe, before we sign off, do you have a prediction for the game? Should we keep track of this? We should like open up a spreadsheet and we can, you know, go against each other head to head and it, see. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a score prediction of 31-21 Seattle, and I do think this has the potential to be a higher scoring game, only because looking at both defenses, I think those are the weaker sides of the two teams. So you have Seattle covering. I guess so. Yeah, that would be them covering. Yes, ten point one. I, I think the Bengals cover. I think. Maybe this is a fan of me, but I can't see them losing by 10 points. Uh, Although Seattle's been very good in their home openers. At least it's not Denver. I'm going to say Seattle 27, Cincinnati 21. I think it's a one-score game. 
So I think one score and then there's a you know something that happens crazy at the end. I think it'll be close in the fourth quarter and then something will decide it whether that's in our favor or not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see which way the ball bounces. Right? Is it going to be Carlos Dunlap tipping an interception to Jesse right. Bates or something, or is it going to be Jadavion Clowney pulling a right. JJ Watt and getting a pick six somehow? <laughs> Whichever of those two things happen, that team's probably going to win the game. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back on Sunday after the Bengals' first regular season game under Zach Taylor with your game recap. Until then, Bengals fans, it's almost game day. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.